welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time Welcome back to our Triune Pod. It's a special day. Nick Kamiski is back from his paternity leave. How you doing, buddy? I'm well, Ben. I'm uh, I'm responsible. Are you though? I'm care. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm good. I'm doing good. I'm doing really. You well. sleeping? Yeah. Yes, I am sleeping. My wife and I have devised this schedule, whereby she goes to bed at 9 p.m. and I stay up till 3 a.m. and then we swap. Because of my job, you know, this is obviously a privilege, but I can just say no meetings before 10 a.m., the word of the Lord, <laughs> you know, so I can just sleep till like nine in the morning. So I get like, I'm getting like six hours of sleep. I'll sleep a little bit too while I'm staying up with the baby. I mean, I didn't know anything about raising an infant before this adoption thing happened. I mean, like nothing. But what I've learned over the last month is it's, man, this stage, at least it's just, you just live in these three hour cycles. You feed the baby, the baby craps or pees, change the baby. You like swaddle the baby, put the baby back to sleep. And then in 90 minutes later, you do the exact same thing. I mean, that is literally the entire parenting thing at this stage from what I can gather from all the mom blogs people send to me. And so in those 90 minute zones late at night, I'll just sleep a little bit or work. I'm actually reading a ton. Like I haven't read this much since I was in college, probably. I'm just reading all the time. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. You just a bunch of young parents probably hate you right now for saying that maybe because they can't have the same schedule you have, but we don't don't have any other kids. So like we're not having to navigate anything else. And I mean, and there's hard times for sure. If baby gets really fussy and won't go back to sleep and you're just like, please, please, please go back to sleep. I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a mommy blog that you would have rolled your eyes at like a month ago, but now you're like, man, this one is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would have rolled my eyes as much as I I just would have not been able to decipher it, like reading German or something. But there's this one resource called Moms on Call. It's like these pediatric nurses that offer kind of no nonsense, but not super prescriptive. Here's what we do. And they have a bunch of videos, like here's how to swaddle a baby. Like I had no idea how to do that, you know, like, so, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's pretty helpful. That is the thing, man. I mean, this is a, to those who listen to the pod that are like mockingbird people, they know this, but the parenting thing is like the realm of categorical law, you know, like you must do this. And the moment you become a parent, you open this door to this deluge of advice. So you kind of have to, in my experience thus far, is like, you kind of got to find your thing and just ignore all the other voices, you know, because it's like a workout plan, man. There's 90 different ways to get fit. And so just find one of your 90 ways and then just stay with it. Don't get anxious about not doing it the other 89 ways. You know, I think that's kind of the approach we're taking. So are you, are you doing any praying over your child aloud? Are you doing any kind of like explicitly religious thing that yeah, a month ago, you'd be like, oh, that's so lame. And now you're like, only listen to Christian music at home or something like that. <laughs> I mean, not that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes and no, I guess. I mean, I don't 
you don't interact with. I feel like this is very painful for Nick because, as he said in previous pods, his ultimate desire is to be cool. And this kind of sucks as <laughs> a definition of uncool. I mean, it's this is a very predictable response, but it is it is true like you do get like when you're holding your child you have a, the kind of f- the father thing the desire for safety and protection and your willingness to kind of throw yourself in front of a train that is real so like i was actually thinking about it i actually got kind of emotional we're recording this pod on monday of holy week yesterday is palm sunday the worship leader at our church this really cool setting of how deep the father's love for us, you know, that modern mm-hmm. hymn. And I kind of, I did kind of connect to it in a new way, that sense of, oh, wow. Like, you know, Romans eight thirty two, the father gave him up for us, you know, like that the cross is not just Jesus self-sacrifice, but it's God, the father giving up his son. I, you know, I mean, that's a predictable thing, but it's true. I do kind of, I kind of find myself connecting to that. I mean, but like the, yeah, I, at least for me, and this speaks to me and my emotional immaturity or whatever it's not like that emotional thing most of the time you're just like taking care of this organism (laughs) you know (laughs) like you're just feeding and changing and uh, i'm trying to give you the gift of nighttime sleep and teach you how to sleep that's like kind of what we're trying to do so but me and my wife are both very organized people who thrive on patterns and so that's kind of how we've approached parenting is like how do we get our child in these like rhythms that are good for her and good for us and you know so we'll see how it goes awesome well i'm sure we'll ask more questions in subsequent weeks but good to have you back thank you So today it's uh we're gonna look at psalm 116 verse 1 and verses 10 through 17 and this is the psalm that we read on holy thursday or Monday Thursday. We'll probably talk more about that day in a second, but here is the song. It goes like this. I love the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication, because he's inclined his ear to me whenever I called upon him. How shall I repay the Lord for all the good things he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his servants. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant and the child of your handmaid. You have freed me from my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. All right, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, man. Well, as as you mentioned, to be salutary in and of itself to study Psalm 116 as a psalm, but its setting is the main point. It's set in the celebration of Monday Thursday. So I want to just jump right into how this psalm maps onto that celebration. It says in Mark chapter 14, verse 26, this is Mark's version of the Last Supper. When they, Jesus and his disciples, had sung a hymn, they went out from the upper room to the Mount of Olives. And it's this sign that the disciples and Jesus were not just eating a random meal. They were celebrating Passover. And as I was doing study on this Psalm, a lot of people might know this. I did not know this, but that the Mishnah, you know, that kind of Jewish commentary on scripture that prescribed a lot of piety practice. It said that, you know, the four cups of wine that were blessed during the Passover feast during the fourth cup, Psalms 115 through 118 in our Bibles 
would have been said or recited. They were the Hallel, the Thanksgiving Psalms. So Psalm 116 in the prayer book, it, it says, how shall I repay the Lord in verse 10 for all the good things he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. So I think we can quite literally imagine Jesus and his disciples in Hebrew chanting that verse as he lifted up the cup that we read about on Monday, Thursday. So Jesus, quote one commentary, I thought the way he put this was really, really good, that Jesus fulfills this psalm. Christ prays this psalm, he says, and we learn what it means from him. So there's lots of great ways to read this from the Jewish perspective, but from the Christian perspective, the cup of salvation that is a sign of thanksgiving for deliverance from death in Psalm 116 is refigured as the blood of the new covenant given to us in Jesus's name, Jesus's blood that secures our, our forgiveness and our salvation. Yeah, man, that's great. Just to go back a little bit, it seems like this Psalm, and I guess it's original context is the prayer of one who's asking for help that's been answered. Specifically, God's delivered him from death. And it's the Psalm is a celebration of love. What Psalm begins like this? Maybe one of the Psalm, I love yeah. the Lord, which kind of reminds us of all the praise and worship songs that we roll our eyes at, right? But it's right there. I love the Lord. And why? Because he has heard the voice of my supplication. And there's this kind of a notion that, okay, he's loved me. So how am I going to repay him? What do I do? The Passover. I mm. lift up the cup of salvation. I call upon the name of the Lord. I fulfill my vows. So yeah. all of this is in that context of Thanksgiving. But what is really interesting is what you just said, that the early Christians reappropriate this psalm and essentially are saying that Jesus becomes the one who has provided the cup and the sacrifice, and we are united to him, not by mm. necessarily fulfilling our vows, but by his death and resurrection, mm. by him yeah. fulfilling our vows for us in our place and on our behalf. That's beautiful. That's the gospel. That's, I mean, come on. Yeah, on Thursday, the, bring it on. That's <laughs> the best, man. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, Jesus fulfills the vows of the, to the Lord. Yeah, I mean, the Passover was a celebration, or excuse me, uh, the Passover represented Israel's liberation from slavery. Psalm 116, as you hinted at, is, I think the best guess that I could tell from scholars is that it is some form of near fatal illness and the psalmist is delivered from this illness. You know, we didn't read this part, of course, because it's not in a lectionary, but the cords of death entangled me, verse two, the grip of the grave took hold of me, verse seven, you have rescued my life from death. A lot of scholars think he's not being metaphorical there. He's saying like he was quite, the psalmist was maybe on their deathbed and the Lord delivered him or her. And so the psalmist wrote this poem of Thanksgiving. But this notion that Psalm 116 was originally this deliverance from fatal illness, was repurposed as a thanksgiving for liberation from slavery. And those two metaphors, some of the most powerful metaphors for sin, the power that stands behind political tyranny and bodily illness is our sovereign of sin. It's a brutal taskmaster, controls our wills. Sin is the sickness that poisons our life. And Jesus Christ, the second Adam, the ultimate Moses, he is the one who not only frees us from slavery, but he heals us. He assumes our full nature and he defangs the curse of sin. So it's, I just love how all these different motifs in the Old Testament are ultimately pointing as Christian readers, ultimately pointing us towards Jesus. And so when we 
after hearing this psalm read, approach the Lord's table on Monday, Thursday. We're doing a lot of things, but one of the things we're doing is saying, Lord, you like Moses, but even more, you have delivered me from slavery. Like the psalmist in 116, but even more, you've delivered my soul from the from the cancer that is sin. It's just, it's powerful stuff. Going further. Oh man, this is so good. That line, he has freed me from my bonds. And again, if you want to go to the original, probably from the bond of the death that might follow illness or the bonds of slavery, of captivity to Egypt or to sin and death. And in the Old Testament, the notions of the afterlife are pretty shady. Is this a place? Is this shale? And this God who we're praising has power over death. But we see elsewhere too. How can anyone praise you from the grave? It's as mm. if there's this kind of mm. question mark of like, okay, well, God has power over death and yet everybody dies. So mm. does death have the final victory? And in light of the transformation of understanding the Psalm in light of Jesus's victory over death, we appropriate this Psalm and go further. It is in Jesus, illness is conquered the final effects of illness are conquered Mm. and our slavery to sin or to whatever is holding us in bondage yeah Uh, in christ this cup of salvation that we receive every single sunday that is instituted on monday thursday it points to the ultimate victory the ultimate freeing from our bonds because everyone's dying yeah (laughs) and that's not the final word yeah and they may not have known that the psalmist may not have known that, and yet still is praising the Lord. We have all the more reason to praise mm. because we will not taste death forever. Mm. Yeah, verse 14 that you're referencing, it brings to mind the collect for peace and specifically the line, um, oh God, you're the author of peace, the lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. This paradox that is only in service to God that we are free. And if you notice, it's this funny thing that in verse 14, twice the psalmist stresses that he is a servant to the Lord. Oh Lord, I am your servant, the child of your handsmaid. You have freed me from my bonds. Do you you get the, uh, like the paradox there is like, Lord, you have freed me from slavery to sin and you've set me free to serve you. I am your servant. You freed me from the brutal taskmaster of sin and you've given me the perfect freedom that is service to you, one true God. I I don't know exactly how that fits into the other facets of our conversation, but it's just a really great gospel nugget that you can draw out from the psalm itself. Yeah, not that we'll ever be able to do it perfectly. We will one day, but the psalmist says the same thing twice. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. How do we do this? We've been set free Mm. and we will be set free. And we catch glimpses of that in this life. Mm. And we take communion every week to taste that every single week, what will be and what is happening to us. But yeah, in Christ, this Psalm just takes on a whole new level. We will not taste death forever. We will not be in bondage to however we cut corners in our life. And that's great news. And that's Mm. why we, as the psalmist says, that's why we love the Lord. Sing your praise and worship. (laughs) No, that's so good. I love that. I love the unabashed, uncomplicated piety of verse one. I love the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication. It's difficult, at least for me, to have those kinds of unrestrained 
displays of emotion, but I think that is such a, that is such an undeniable facet of a biblical religion. <laughs> it's, you know, second person direct speech. I love you, Lord. And not being, and I love it too, because it's, weird it's, about it's, that. It, it's not overly pious, right? It's not, we should say, I love the Lord because he is God, right? In other parts mm. of the Psalms, they say that, but mm. here it's, you know what? Honestly, I love the Lord because he's heard me. Yeah. He's yeah. It's not, me. I love this the Lord like because love. of the substitutionary atonement. <laughs> no, it's not, I love the Lord because I asked for something and he gave it to me. Yeah, that's true. That's Which is the way is. most people think and talk. And we're always yeah. like, like, no, actually yeah. you love the Lord. Right. Because God's God. Yeah. No, that says no. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, we were, we were having a conversation before we started recording listener, Ben and I, about a sermon you just heard at a cathedral and you are saying something to the effect of the preacher just kind of speaks to you where you actually live. That's a great phrase. And this is where everyone lives. They do not love the Lord because of some theory of the sacrament or some particular ecclesiology or even mechanism of the atonement. It's like, yeah, no, you love the Lord because you are in desperate need and you call that to God. And in one way or another, you perceive that God really heard you. It's like, that's what unlocks the heart is that sense of being known and beloved by God, not some idea that kind of harmonizes your sense of the world. Yeah. And you want to hear that great sermon, folks, Paul's all Monday of Holy Week. It's on the Cathedral Church of the Advent podcast. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, man. All right. Can I wrap it up? Wrap it up. Good Psalm... to have you back, man. This is great. Yeah. All right. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me whenever I called upon him. How shall I repay the Lord for all the good things he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his servants. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant and the child of your handmaid, and you have freed me from my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming, so be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.